we're good. Okay. Go ahead and just give yourself a hand again. Just give yourself a hand for coming to church. Amen? Now let's do something greater. Let's give God a hand. Amen? For what he's already done in this place. Let's just give him some praise a minute. Well, today, thank you, John Olaf. I don't know who this is. This is amazing. That is the greatest thing I have seen today. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to be uh, speaking today, sharing the word with you today. We are continuing our series, Heartbeat. Come on, how many people enjoyed last week? Was it good so far, right? We are in the month of love, right? February, you're seeing it all in the stores. Anybody go in the stores and you're just being overwhelmed by it all? If you have children, you got the list from school of everyone's names, so you can fill out 55 uh, Valentine's cards this week. Um, you know, and you can't like exclude anybody. So everybody's getting a card, right? You're getting a card, everybody. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a fun week. But I'm so excited to continue this message with you, as you have probably noticed by now that Pastor Ronnie is not here this Sunday. Um, He is actually ministering at a nearby church today, which is awesome. Amen. And we are so excited. We love to partner with other churches. We believe that as a body of Christ, it's important for us to be connected with other churches. This is like awesome. Amen. Come on. Can Can we just give it up for Kara? Because Kara is the one that put our little put our little balloon thing together and she's just creative and has fun with it and I'm not so that's great and if you ever need someone to come and help decorate for your parties or you know kids parties call Kara she's great (laughs) amen okay so last week uh, we talked about the power of anybody agreement amen And we know Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20, so stick with me here, get your notes out. You know, we have uh, balloons and agreement going on back here, which is awesome. (laughs) Matthew 18, 19 says this. It says, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. That's powerful. He doesn't say on some things. He says anything. If you can come into agreement. And can you imagine, we do this together, you know, two or three, but can you imagine as a body of Christ, as a church, if we were to truly come into unity, come into agreement, what could truly take place in this place? Amen? What could happen? What could God do? What could he do in our city? And so that was so powerful. I don't know about you. I've been thinking about that all week and just realizing, you know, the enemy is so slick at what he does. He's always trying to um, divide and, and making us where, you know, we don't want to come into agreement. You know, we can get annoyed over the stupidest thing. And because of that, we're not going to come into agreement about anything. Amen? But it's powerful. There's power in agreement. So today, um, and we briefly touched on this last week, we talked about rhythm. How many people remember the conversation on rhythm? And he shared a story that, you know, one of my dreams is to be a drum player. Can I play the drums or keep a beat? No. But in heaven, I will be the drum player. So when you look at that choir, that's going to be me over there rocking it out. It's going to be great. Um, But I clearly do not have rhythm in the natural, but he does. But everything in life has a rhythm, if you have not realized that by now. Seasons have a rhythm. God has a rhythm. Amen? The solar system has a rhythm. And we're going to talk about the heart a little bit more today and how our heartbeat has a rhythm. Amen? 
we see the ups and downs and the ups and downs if you're to, you know, see a heartbeat. And isn't it amazing that just like life, we have those ups and downs and ups and downs. And we know that the heart's function as it beats is to pump blood, right, and push it through your whole body. And, it, and that's what that force is, what makes those, those ups and downs on those tests. And you wonder, you know, what is the purpose of all of this? Where are you going with this, Crystal? This is where I'm going with this. <laughs> The blood in your body is what keeps you alive. Your heart pumping, that pressure, that constant up and down, that constant squeezing is what continues to push that blood through your whole body, which keeps you alive. How many people are glad they're alive today? Amen? That's important. But just how in the natural, sometimes your heart can kind of get a little bit irregular. Is anybody, I don't want to ask if anybody's in here ever had heart problems, because prayerfully not, and if so, hopefully you're going to get healed today. But if you've known anybody that has had heart problems before, it's interesting how just one little thing, an irregular heartbeat or a skipping of a beat or an electrical, you know, function in the heart can start messing everything up. I went through a season a couple years ago when I was having some issues with my heart, and it was with, you know, that I was having irregular heartbeats and, you know, electrical issues, and they put me on medication, and one day it was so bad, I was in the cardiologist's office, and, and he was, you know, rubbing your carotid artery and all that stuff to get it down, and he said, Crystal, if this does not get back into normal function, we're going to have to shock it back into normal function. How many people know that does not sound fun? right? It's like a defibrillator. You know, sometimes you, that irregular heartbeat, it just gets, you know, stuck on a pattern. It gets stuck on a rhythm that's not right. And once it starts going that way, the next thing you know, just like in our life, it becomes a pattern. It becomes a rhythm. It's not the right pattern. It's not the right rhythm, but it just keeps going that way until something comes along to shock it, to make it go back into the rhythm it was intended to be. Amen? I'm already preaching and I'm not even trying to yet, but this is going to be good. So Psalms 26.2, this is where we're going to go a little bit today. This is where we're going to be brave and we're going to be courageous. This is going to be our prayer. This is what we're going to say today. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Amen? Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now that's a brave prayer. That's a courageous prayer to be able to say, Lord, I am asking you today to examine my heart to see if there's anything in it that is causing it to have an irregular heartbeat causing it to have arrhythmia, causing it to not function in its proper way. And if so, if you find anything in there, then today we are going to be brave enough to ask him to, come on, to shock it back into function. Amen? Come on. Anybody awake up here? Maybe you guys need it anyways just to wake up. We're going to be brave and say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit come and just shock it. Make it live again. Let it function again. Let us, let us function the way that we're supposed to. Let us love the way that we're supposed to. Amen? So how many people are ready to do that journey with me today? Right? Examination of the heart. So let's just pray. If you want to start that with me, just put your hand on your heart. We're not going to say the pledge, but we're going to pray <laughs> over our hearts right now. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that we get to come into your presence. 
We know every single time that your word is brought forth that it's a time for us to change. It's a time for us to grow. It's a time for us to heal. So God, we are praying right now over our hearts. We are bravely saying to examine our hearts today, to reveal to us anything in it that we need to change, anything in it that is not of you, anything that is not functioning correctly, Father. We are praying for your Holy Spirit to shock it back into function today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give him praise one more time. Amen? Okay, so the first examination we're going to do today on the heart, this is where we're going to start today. We're going to start talking about the rhythm of forgiveness. Woohoo! <laughs> it's your favorite one, right? We all love to forgive. One of my favorite quotes that I, I've always said is a good marriage consists of two great forgivers. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to go with this Matthew 5, 21 and 26. And if you're taking notes, write this down. We're going to have it up above us. But I want you to go home this week and really dig in even more on these scriptures. Amen. Matthew 5, 21 through 26 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, sounds like a curse word. I don't even know what Raka means, but it sounds bad, <laughs> is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, <laughs> will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, oh, that's when it gets good whenever you see, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer. And you may be thrown into prison. Verse 26. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Wow. Escalation right there, right? It started with a word. Raka. It started with a word. You fool. And the next thing you know, they're going to court. They're getting thrown in prison. And they're losing everything they have. Kind of sounds like relationships nowadays, right? It starts so small. It starts over the little things. It starts over, over the small offenses. But the next thing you know, it just spirals and spirals into one thing after another. And the next thing you know, it's this big snowball going downhill that can't be stopped. And that's what the enemy loves, which is why in this, in this verse, it's so important that we realize we got to catch things early. Amen? As Christians, and that's why today I told you this is not going to be a fun one. As Christians, we have to be able to say, Lord, examine my heart. I don't want to just come into church and just fake it and, oh, I'm so happy. Oh, everything is great when I'm sitting over and really I'm mad at Wade because Wade didn't look at me right today and he didn't smile at me. And I mean, he always smiles and says something nice. But, you know, I, I just really, I don't like Wade anymore. But I'm over here and I'm worshiping and thinking everybody, oh, I'm so great. But really, I'm hating Wade over here. Who can hate Wade? I mean, that's really bad. You really need to repent if you can hate Wade. 
what I mean? We come into church and we just, we fake it. We're, sit, we're sitting next to our spouse who we just cursed out on the way here. <laughs> and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. This is great. Brother, sister. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? He's saying this. Our praise and our worship, that's an offering. He's saying, before you come and you, and you put this offering before me, leave that there. This is more important. Your relationships are important to me. He created relationships. Father created us to be in relationships. And so he's saying, I don't care about that other stuff. That's important to me. But this is more important to me. Amen? We learned last week why. Because the power of agreement. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Can you imagine what could happen if we would all be in agreement together? Amen? So you see why the enemy loves this strategy. John 10.10 says the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to what? And to destroy. That's his, that's his mission. You know, mission statement. How many people have a mission statement, right? This is, my, this is his mission statement. <laughs> his mission statement is I'm coming to kill, to steal, and destroy everything in your life, your relationships, your, your business, your dreams, your family. This is my mission. From the moment that you are born, he's got a plan going on, right? Of what he's going to do to continue to do, to do with that. Matthew 12, 25 says, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Wow. Is this fun today? You guys examining your hearts today? Amen. Everyone ready to repent now? <laughs> Everyone want to go to each other and just say, I'm sorry. But, you know, we can have a foot washing service next. No. <laughs> but Jesus says this, that if the enemy, he wants to destroy your house, the first thing he's going to do is divide your house. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I want to do something fun here. I want to do a little bit of an illustration. Do we have any newly married people in the house anybody that's been married under a year anybody that's been married under two years three years i just found out and not gonna tell me she's like their three anniversary's coming up i knew it okay can we get you guys just to come up real quick oh come on real quick for one quick minute let's give it up for them come on do you guys can do it better three years come on keep clapping this is going to be fun. Anaka's like, they're going to kill you. <laughs> Here, someone help them up these stairs. These stairs are not fun. I never like going up these. Okay. This is going to be great. Three years. Yay. Congratulations. Congratulations. Okay. So our, our newlywed couple right here. So what is your name? Wilbur. Wilbur and Desiree. And Desiree. Wilbur and Desiree. Don't they look so happy? I mean... Look at these smiles. Look how cute, you know. And so just go ahead and just hold hands real quick, you know. And, and let's just face each other and hold both hands. And so what is this? Has, how many people have ever been to a wedding? This is like wedding, right? We, we put it, you know, we have you look at each other in the face. You're smiling. You're holding hands. You're so in love, right? This is how it starts. But then... <laughs> But then the enemy's plan is to do this, is to start breaking this up, and, and now you be your own person, 
because you got your own identity, right? And you be your own person, right? And now we're going to get a lot of stuff done here. But wait a minute. God says that there's power in agreement. When we, when we do our marriage vows, we say that what? The two, you were, you were like this, will become what? They'll become one. But what does the enemy love to do? He loves to put these things in. The next thing you know, it's, I'm not myself anymore. Well, I don't, I, I've completely lost my identity. And, and you, I, man, I lost everything of who I was anymore. And I just need to go back to this. You love how that just, you know, starts so subtly and so whatever. You're not supposed to be who you were. You're supposed to be one, right? Come on. But then it starts over. Come on, let's just give it up for them again. Because look how cute. I love it. But then it starts over like the little things. You guys remember like the little things? And I'll tell you a secret about a little one that we had last week. It was great. But it'll be like the, the little argument. Okay, so just name one thing that maybe is like the stupidest little thing that has turned into something big. Like what is like your one pet peeve? Something that just, you know. Like they can't. They're still at three years. They're like, we have nothing. We love everything. They're so cute. I love it when he snores. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> Laundry. Laundry. That was our fight this week. You guys heard it last week. <laughs> Laundry. And so it'll start over. You know, you, you never do the laundry. I work hard all week. I come home, and there is no laundry. My husband said this last week. I have no clean underwear, Crystal. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And so the next thing you know, it's like, okay, all right. We're going we're gonna to argue about laundry. And so, you know, here you are. Let's just hold this up right here. Hold this up like, like you're focusing on her. Like, you know, look at that with your eye, right? Because we're going to talk about plank eye in a minute. So laundry... Man, you, you, you don't do laundry. You don't, you're not getting your stuff done. When really, you know, Mr. Over Here has just been, you know, like, chilling all week. She's been working 70 hours this week. But, he, but he's mad about laundry. <laughs> so you, you see how the next thing you know, and, and, then, and then she's like, well, oh, you're going to talk about laundry? Well, guess what? You know, your mom... I'm sorry that your mom did all your laundry and did everything for you, but that's just not who I am, right? <laughs> so then we have this one. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna care about you know that. I'm not gonna do your laundry. Be a man and right. Do your own laundry. <laughs> Over laundry, he goes. I do. <laughs> We're just picking on you. This is not really how it goes because they're three years. Look at this. Everyone, give it up for again. They're sweet and cake. And then the next thing you know, so now we have, we have this wedge. We have this offense over laundry. And although they move on and the laundry happens, now the next time laundry is brought up, oh, man, they're already ready to talk about laundry, which then goes into your family doesn't do laundry, which then goes into you've never done laundry because you don't love me anymore, right? <laughs> the little things. And then the next thing you know, you come home and, and dinner you get in a fight about dinner. Why did you make spaghetti? You know I hate spaghetti. You did that just because you know that I hate spaghetti, right? And so then there's another offense. Go ahead and hold this one too. And then the next thing you know, she's arguing over here. Well, I'm sorry I can't cook spaghetti the way that your mom cooks spaghetti, right? <laughs> so why don't you just go back to your mom's house and eat spaghetti at your mom's house? <laughs> And the next thing you realize is one by one, offense after offense starts to build up. And you go from this picture 
of the two shall become one, to becoming divided over laundry and spaghetti, which turned into building this fence. If you keep it up over and over, offense after offense, the next thing you do when you look at each other, you don't even see each other anymore. What do you see? You see the offense. You see offense. You see the dividing. Amen? All right, let's give it up for them. Come on, yay. He's like, three years. I love it. Wilbur and Desiree, we love you. We all got your back. You don't got to cook spaghetti like his mama. It's okay. So you see, it started what? So small. It started so small over one word, over raka. You fool. You jerk. And the next thing you know, right, it's this huge deal. Matthew 7, 3 and 5 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the what? To the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Is this relationships? Is it so easy to see what's wrong with the other person? Amen? I'm not just talking about husbands and wives. We do this with parents. We do this with brothers, sisters. We do this with our friends. It's so easy to say, oh, man, they are so toxic. <laughs> We're walking around the whole time looking like this. When really, if we can learn how to drop the offense, learn how to forgive quickly, amen, then we can come into the power of agreement. Because you never know what tomorrow is going to hold. And you can come into a disagreement and become separated and mad over nonsense, not knowing that tomorrow you need that person to come into agreement for a miracle to happen. You don't think the enemy knows that before church will happen? You'll get into the dumbest argument over something. Why? Because he knows that if you're in agreement, walking into God's house, believing for something, praying for something, that miracles are going to happen in your life. You don't think he's good at his job, amen? But we have to become wiser, right? We got to examine our hearts and say, this irregular pattern, this, this part of me always just, you know, seeing what's wrong with everybody else, me being the one to pick out, you know, what everybody else is doing, I'm going to be the first one to drop that offense. I'm not going to be the one that keeps that going on. I'm not going to allow walls to be built anymore between my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Is that good? That's good stuff. So, verse 23, Matthew, let's go back to it. Therefore, if you're at church and you're offering your gift at the altar, remember your brother or sister that has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. You've got to realize the power in agreement. Amen? Amen? The next verse, 25, settle matters quickly 
with your adversary who is taking you to court. Don't you love how that, that verse, those five verses, goes from your brother and sister? If your brother and sister have somebody against, something against you, go and settle it. And then two verses later, it's your, if your adversary <laughs> is taking you to court. I used to think that was two different people, my brother and sister and my adversary. But isn't it interesting how the enemy can turn your brother and your sister, your best friend, your spouse, someone you are so close to, to then they become your adversary? Isn't it quickly or crazy how quick that just turns into that? From brother, sister, husband, wife, best friend, confident, man, my ride or die, right? <laughs> to now we're in court. Now we're fighting out. Now we can't even talk to each other. Now we can't even sit in the same room with one another. Amen? This is the enemy's mission right here. But today, because you all said it already in the beginning, so I'm holding you to it. We prayed, Lord, examine our hearts. If there's anything in us, it doesn't mean you have to be reconciled back with everybody, but it does mean that you need to learn how to forgive everybody. Amen? Amen. All right, I have some other guys that are coming up for an illustration. Where are my guys at? Tim, come on, who else? Come on, come up here quick, quick, quick. Come on, who am I missing? Oh, they're still up here. You guys are going to have to be really fast. They're up here. I heard a... a I read a legend, and I don't know if it's true or not. There's so many missed things on the, on the Internet, but it traces back, and historians believe this is a true legend of this, um, the Mesentias back in the old Roman days. And I don't know if you've heard this before. I heard this probably 10 years ago, and this has stuck in my head for that long. But, you know, back in those days, the Romans, they were like mean dudes, right? <laughs> They were like tough dudes. And a method of torture that it says that they would use one of their favorite ones when they would really, you know, be angry at somebody or somebody murdered somebody or, or they hated somebody, their greatest enemy, what they would do is they would take that person and they would take a dead body and they would wrap that dead body and bind them together where that, that person that was healthy was now bound together to a dead body, and they had to carry that person around. And the legend goes on to say that this would happen in over weeks and over weeks, and they would have to walk around the city to where, as you can imagine, you know, imagine carrying a dead body around on your back, right? That would start to decay. That would start to, you know, stink. Come on. It would start to get gross and gruesome and, and, and nasty, and you would have to carry this thing around. But over time... That dead body being bound to you, that diseased dead body would start to seep into you, the healthy person, and disease the healthy body as well, until the healthy body became diseased and died together. And so I know that's like a gruesome, gross thing to think about, but I started to think, how many of us really do that nowadays in relationships, right? So we're going to have, who's going to be our first person? Who's going to be the strongest here? Come on. I'm going to make him prove it, so this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to see who wants to prove it. Okay, great. He's the strongest one. Come on, show us your muscles right here. Here we go. 
So here we go, man. We got this healthy person. And, and then the next thing you know, you know, him and Tim, man, they are like best friends, right? They are like ride or die. They got each other's back, right? Doesn't matter what you go through, I'm there. We've been with each other our whole life. We're brothers. We're together. But then all of a sudden, Tim starts dating his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Come on. That never goes well, right? And then he gets married to her. I mean, this is getting really bad. And next thing you know, years later, now there's this, this hate and this, this you know, I, I hate that person. And, and I, I can't believe that, you know, he would be like that. And, and, and so now this, you know, healthy, this was like a healthy relationship. This was a healthy, strong guy, right? But now everywhere he goes, years and years and years later, guess who he's got on his back? Go ahead, Tim, just jump on his back. Come on. There we go, right? Okay. Now, come on. He said he was the strongest. This is great. So now, guess what? It's been five years. And guess who he's still carrying around with him? Come on, we're going to walk around. Guess who he's still carrying around with him everywhere he goes? And this new person comes in to just have a relationship, right? But guess what? You know what he's saying? Man, you can't trust anybody anymore. But guess what? What you're going to probably do is you're going to leave me anyways for my best friend, because that's what all girls do, right? Because you're still carrying around this dead body, this old offense from 10 years ago. So now every relationship that you go into now has to come through the eyes of your last offense, right? So then you two get together and you do decide to, to come together and you, and you get married. But then guess what happens? It doesn't work out. Oh, my God. <laughs> she goes and she falls in love with your other best friend. Man, this is like a, So now, now, here we go. Come on. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can get down now. Come on, give it up for him. Somebody take him out to a steak dinner today. Come on. I think he's going to puke. Someone needs to get him a bag. So the next thing you know, you're, you're carrying around all of these past offenses, these broken relationships, and you're coming into this new relationship with these dead bodies behind you, and you're coming into this relationship and you're saying, oh man, you just made me feel weighted down. I didn't make you feel weighted down, you're weighted down by the three broken relationships you had before, amen? amen. And we wonder why we can't come into agreement. Why we can't be a healthy church, come on. Why we can't be a healthy body of Christ. Why we with different churches can't come together in unity and see revival breakthrough across this world. Why we can't come together and see great things happen. Come on. Because we start carrying around these dead bodies. Well, every church is like that. I'm not going to go to church. Still carrying around the dead body from the last church you were at. Well, every pastor is like that. You let that pastor go. Come on. 
Well, every, everybody is like that. A every guy is like that. They're all liars. No, that guy was a liar. It doesn't mean every guy's a liar. Amen? Well, every girl, you know, that's just, they're fake. Every girl's not fake. Just that girl was fake. Forgive her and drop that offense and move on and have a healthy life. Heal. Let your heart heal. Amen? Amen. Let your heart heal. The point of today's message is to not get you to the place of thinking it's always everybody else. And sometimes it's not even about reconciling back with everybody in your life. But it is about forgiving and letting them truly go so you can be free to have healthy relationships. Amen? That is the heartbeat of God. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 4.18, and I'm getting ready to close. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. I can't tell you how many people I encounter that have, you know, went through a divorce or went through a broken relationship with a, with a parent or with a sibling or maybe you had a sibling that was addicted or you had a parent that was sick or, and it just, it just turned something against in you where you don't, you don't want to pursue relationships anymore because of the pain that's associated with that. I once heard this. It says, fear is the anticipation of pain. Fear is the anticipation of pain. And when we narrow that down, many times we are afraid to pursue relationships because of the fear of the pain that may come from that relationship. And I believe we have to get to a point as mature, right? We're mature. We're not babies anymore. We're not on the milk anymore. As mature believers, as mature brothers and sisters in Christ, where we can say, we're not going to be slaves to fear anymore. We're not going to allow the anticipation of pain of what can happen in a relationship cause us to miss out on the beauty of the miracle that can happen when we come together in agreement. Does it mean that people are going to be perfect? No. But you're not perfect either. <laughs> come on. Does it mean that you have it all together? No. And they're not going to either. But have grace. Have mercy. Be forgivers. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you'll stand in this place. Amen. In this month, I always hear people in all ranges of wherever they are in their life, whether it's single awareness month <laughs> or it's people just absolutely hate the month because they went through a divorce or <laughs> a bad relationship, or there's the married people that are all in love for that two-hour dinner and really they hated each other all year. <laughs> but I find it just amazing to know that us as believers are called to love. The very epitome of what God is is what? He's love. The very thing that he talks about, the greatest pain. You want to talk about fear, the anticipation of pain? We think of Jesus when he died on the cross, and we think of that moment the night before where it says he was crying, and he was, and he was just crying. It said blood was coming out of his forehead, and he was in such agony. 
I used to always think that that was due to the physical pain that he was getting ready to endure until I faced my own emotional pain. Has anybody here ever went through something traumatic in your life? I don't know about you, but emotional pain to me is way worse than physical pain. Man, cut my arm off any day over putting me in some traumatic situation. And I think of the father and in those moments, what was it that was bringing such agony on him? And I know what it is. Because when he was on that cross, and it says he took on the sin of the world, what sin actually means is separation from God. And so it was at that moment that he knew that he was going to be separated from love. He was going to be separated from the Father. And that moment for him to even understand or get to a place of being able to get to it was so painful. The thought of being separated. That even when he was dying on the cross, and we know some of his final words were what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, I will not allow a wedge to come into my heart. I will not allow my heart to be hardened because of somebody else's mistake. I will not allow my heart to be changed for me to be separated from you, God, for, for sin to be able to stay in my life because of the bad choices that other people around me have made. And if the Father can do that for us, amen? We know in the Lord's Prayer it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that what? Trespass against us. How can we expect the Father to willingly forgive us when we're walking around with all of these fences and all of these wedges with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you would just close your eyes and bow your heads in this place. I don't know your past. I don't know your upbringing. I don't know if your childhood was great or if it was traumatic. I don't know if your marriage was great or traumatic or, or what you have experienced in your life. But I do know this and I am confident enough to say this, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if any of those bad memories or bad moments have to do with any of those three things, that that came from the enemy. But I also came to shed light on this truth, that God comes to bring life and life more abundantly. And in order for us to live and truly live, we have to have our heart pumping correctly we have to have that blood flowing through our veins. We have to have our heart on rhythm with his heart. And if there's irregular heartbeats, if there's unforgiveness, if there's offenses with our brother and sisters, that that life is not going to be functioning correctly in our body. That blood is not going to be pushed correctly through our body. We are not going to be whole. We are not going to be healed. And so today, I'm asking you to take a minute and just examine your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You've chosen me, and love has called my name. And I've been born again. Into your family, 
Your blood flows through my veins. Now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. could have our prayer team come up here. I just want them to come and stand in the front. And I think this is the interesting thing, that just because somebody is willing to come into agreement with you and pray with you, it doesn't mean that they've always done it perfect. I haven't always forgiven <laughs> perfect. I haven't always dropped a fence perfect. But I've suffered the consequences of not doing that as well. <laughs> but I have learned this, that if God called us to be healed, then it's time for us to be healed. Amen? We know this, that hurt people hurt people. But healed people, guess what? They heal people. People that are free, they free people. And I believe as a body of Christ, that it's time for us to stand in our freedom and start declaring what God has told us to do. And when it comes to relationships, get to the point. If you got to cry, cry. If you got to lay it down, lay it down. But come into agreement with somebody where you can say, I need agreement to be able to lay this down. So if you're out there today and there's been an offense in your life or somebody that's been hard to forgive, I don't know if it was somebody that abused you or maybe it was a toxic relationship or, you know, we don't always deserve the things that happen. It's not that you deserved it, but the enemy had a mission to destroy you and he uses people to do that, right? So if you're in this place, I don't want you to walk out of this place with that dead, stinking body anymore. I no longer want you to walk through the rest of this life carrying around the wounds of your mother and your father or your brother or your sister. But the God says that he who the Son set free is what? Free indeed. We don't have to walk out of this place as slaves anymore. Slaves to fear. Slaves to what our people did to us. So if you're in this place and you're brave enough, you're courageous enough, to say, I need to come into agreement with somebody to lay this down on the altar. I want you to come forward, and I want you to come into agreement with one of the prayer partners up here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And I am surrounded. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. By the arms of the Father. And I am surrounded. Thank you, Father. 
with songs of deliverance. We've been Process. He knows what it's like to forgive those that have betrayed him. 
And so while you're doing this, as we continue to sing, we're no longer slaves to fear, I want you to just, in your seats even, just lay it down. Just lay it down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And from my mother's womb, Thank you, Jesus. you have chosen me. And love has called my name. And I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins from my mother's womb. And from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. And love has called my name. And I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. On, now, sing this out. now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Just continue to declare. Now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Jesus. A child of God. God, no longer slaves, no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to fear. We've received the spirit of adoption, no longer slaves to fear. Children of the Father, Abba Father. Now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. Now I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. close with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. We call it the love chapter. Amen. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. 
If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen? Love never fails. Amen? Love never fails. You are never going to fail by loving. Amen. You are never going to fail by forgiving. You are never going to fail by dropping an offense. Amen. Love never fails. Amen. Come on. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe he's done a deep work in our hearts tonight. I've been examining my heart all week on this subject, and I was surprised at how many still little offenses I had that I hadn't even realized that I had. You know, sometimes it's not until you run into somebody that then you know, like, oh, you know, like, oh, yeah, do you see her over there? You know, maybe I still do got something in there I got to work on. But I think we have to get to the place. If we're going to, you know, we can come in here and we can pray and, and we can call fire down and ask for revival to come, amen? But we all know this, revival starts in the heart. And until we can get our heart functioning right, until we can get our hearts pumping right and our hearts on rhythm with the Father's heart and until we can love those and until we cannot fear relationships, that's when the Holy Spirit can pour that out on us and saying, you're free now, go free others, amen? You're healed now, go and share the good news. Go and share the power of healing. People are going to look at you and wonder, how can you be so happy after knowing what you've went through? How can you have successful relationships or not be afraid to have relationships? relationships after knowing the horror that you went through and you know what you can say amen love never fails God forgave me so I can forgive others amen I laid that person down a long time ago I can pray for my enemies I can love my enemies I can see people that have been the worst to me and still give them a hug if they're not seen them for 10 years and say man how are you doing and not be fake can we get to the place as Christians where we cannot be fake right it doesn't mean you have to become best friends with people. Boundaries are healthy, right? But it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to pray for people and lay them down. It's not always for them. Many times it's for us. And I believe we're coming into a season where if we can be healed, if we can be free, that it's limitless the potential of what God can do through us. Amen? Amen. Can we come into agreement right now as we close in prayer? Can you join the hands with somebody next to you? If you don't know them, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get to know them. Amen. But find somebody that you can grab hands with. Grab, find somebody that you can say, I'm coming into agreement together. Amen? Because we're not just going to intercede for ourselves. We're not just going to intercede for this church. But we're going to intercede for a nation that is becoming divided over stupid things. Amen? 
The enemy's plan is to come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming to divide and conquer. But if the body of Christ, if we can become united, if we can learn to love each other, if we can learn to love other churches, if we can learn to love people that maybe we don't agree with, then maybe the world will start doing what we do. But we have not been a good example of that, if we can be honest. Amen? But it's time for us to lay that down. So, Father, we thank you so much as we come into agreement today with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are declaring, Lord Jesus, we are standing in the gap. We are standing in the gap for our other churches, Lord God, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, saying that we want to be the ones that can show the power of unity, that can show the power of agreement, that can love those we may not agree with, Lord God. Teach us how to love those that we don't agree with. Teach us how to let people go healthily, Lord God, and not walk around with dead bodies anymore, stinking everywhere we go. God, we thank you that we are free. We thank you that we are not slaves to fear. We are not slaves of fear of any entering into new relationships, that you have called us to come into relationships to where we can encourage each other. We can come into agreement with one another. There's power when we come together. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the unity that's in this place, and we pray for it to start in the church and continue to flood outside these doors. We pray for a community to come together. We pray for a nation to come together, Lord God. We stand in the gap for our nation, and we pray for revival to break out, Lord God. And it always has to start in the church, Lord Lord God, so let our hearts be pure. Let our hearts be right, Lord God. Examine our hearts today and show us if there's anything else in there that we need to lay down at this altar, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, to be the light, to be the example of what love is. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give them some praise if you're healed. Amen.